Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Hey there, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I'm your host, journalist, author, and researcher of weird things, Aaron Sagers. You can also catch me on 28 Days Haunted on Netflix and Paranormal caught on camera on Travel Channel and the Max streaming service. My guests this episode, first up we have Alex Winter, who you know from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as Bill S. Preston Esquire, and you know him from Lost Boys, Freaked, and as the director of films such as the Zappa Doc. I'm also joined by Jonah Ray Rodriguez from MST3K, The Meltdown with Jonah and Kamel, and he is the director of Third Eye, the Felicia Day audio adventure on Audible. Jonah has also joined me a couple times on Talking Strange in the past, so it's good to have him back. Together, they are in the new Shudder horror comedy, Destroy All Neighbors, which is directed by Josh Forbes and written by Jared Logan, Charles Piper, and Mike Benner, with Winter and Rodriguez producing as well as starring in it. Here's the synopsis for the movie, available January 12 on Shudder. William Brown played by Rodriguez, is a neurotic, self-absorbed musician determined to finish his prog rock magnum opus. He faces a creative roadblock in the form of a noisy and grotesque neighbor named Vlad, played by Winter. Finally working up the nerve to demand that Vlad keep it down, William inadvertently decapitates him. But while attempting to cover up one murder, William's accidental reign of terror causes victims to pile up and become undead corpses who torment and create more bloody detours on his road to Prague Rock Valhalla. Destroy All Neighbors is a twisted splatter comedy about a deranged journey of self-discovery full of goopy practical effects, a well-known ensemble cast, and lots of blood. And I have to say, I I love that word goop because I got to tell you, I watched this and it is a lot of fun. It's something that feels both very much of the moment as well as having a retro vibe with lots of goop and gore and funny gags, ton of practical effects, cool puppetry and monster makeup. I I had a blast with this one. So, okay, let's get into it with Jono Ray Rodriguez and Alex Winter from Destroy All Neighbors. Destroy all neighbors. What I love about this to begin with is the one of the descriptions I read in the PR uh, write up was a twisted splatter comedy about a deranged journey of self discovery. Uh, this is a I, I got a kick out of this because it's a, one of those films that it wears its sleeve, it wears on its sleeve precisely everything it wants to be and what we can expect from it, from the op- trippy opening sequence to the practical gory effects. Uh, 
is that was that sort of the initial appeal for each of you to come to this not only to star in it but produce it uh jonah why don't you start yeah i mean you know when josh forbes approached me with the idea of the script that he wrote with charlie piper um you know he said i kind of want to make something that's like not necessarily a throwback but just you know make those types of movies we used to love growing up he says like you know i want to kind of feel like you know a little barton fink a little delicatessen and a little evil dead too and i was like i was like oh these are that's like that's my favorite kind of shit you know um and so i i, I was like immediately like i was like yeah we should do it all practice like he's like he's like yeah we've been talking to gabe bartalos so i was like oh gabe bartalos from you know leprechaun and basket case and brain damage is uh it was always the appeal for me um, for doing and anything I do is always that kind of thing where it's like, what will check the box of the stuff that I loved when I was a kid that made me feel a little less lonely. And like, it's like, if I can try and make those types of things, I'm always going to be in. And having Alex involved is like, kind of like, you know, it's uh, it's perfect. Yeah. Alex, I want you to add to that, but also, yeah, Evil Dead 2 is like that Tom Savini vibe to it. The burbs it's, I don't know what else I'm missing in the DNA of this, but it just it kind of harkens back to me as a a nerdy horror monster kid from the 80s. But Alex, why don't you add to that? Um, well, as a nerd, nerdy horror monster kid from the 80s, um, <laughs> uh, you know, look, I've known Jonah for a while and and uh, I like doing this kind of work when it's specific um, and it has uh not only kind of like the right tone, um, but also a collective group of people that share the same sensibilities because it really is a communal thing to make films like this that have a, you know, on this budget level and also just practical effects and in-camera effects and, um, and that mix of comedy uh, within the horror that requires improv skills. And it's a really specific thing and it's uncommon to get it. Uh, so I, I love that from the from the get go. Um, and then, you know, knowing that that we had someone like Gabe and then Bill Corso, who I've been working with forever, who came on, I knew that we'd have such an incredibly strong team on the makeup and practical effects side that I would be well covered, um, which really just means I can do my thing, um, that I could work with Jonah and be there and, you know, sort of uh, just act and not worry. Um, so, uh, you know, it was a, an exciting possibility. It wasn't without a lot of challenges like Jonah and I, uh, are producers on it, um, as much from necessity as desire, just because it really just takes, um, it really just takes a lot. You can't just say, Oh, I'll, sh I'll show up. Let me know when I need to come back for the shoot. You know, it's not one of those movies. We were from the moment Jonah brought me on, I was on and we were all working together all the time, all the way through till now. Yeah. And that's like, you know, that's Alex and I, that's how, uh, you know, we're, you know, different kind of like generation, but like same, you know, same scene essentially. Uh, but like the self-starting DIY, just like, you know, when both of us make stuff where we make our own stuff and, you know, it's like, I will, you know, we'll sometimes we'll show up as actors or, you know, or, you know, and other people's things, but like when it's our thing, it's like, we know how to do all the skills and we know how to, yeah, we have like all these, you know, things that we do because we've had to do it our entire lives. Yeah. And Jonah jokes about the fact that I told him no when he initially asked me uh, to, to be in this. But I mean, the reason wasn't because of the character or the script. It was because of what what he just said. It's like, 
signing on to this doesn't mean that like like other jobs I do as an actor where like I literally do show I don't get rehearsals even if I want them in this day and age right so like I show up the first time I'm meeting the director is when someone yells action um and uh, I knew that that would not be this that that if I was going to do prosthetics and work with with on this kind of thing it really would be a commitment um but also it would be a lot of fun because it's it is a type of filmmaking that I'm more wired to do was this a was this a COVID production? I mean, isn't everything now? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I mean, there's still guys. COVID productions, yeah. right? We did it. Yeah. In, we shot it like August, uh, September-ish of 2022. Um, and so COVID protocols were still, uh, you know, everyone had to mask and test daily. Um, you know, had the shields uh, on. I think we lost, we lost one person. Is that right? Or is that a different... <laughs> No, but I mean, seriously, does somebody get... right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some PA went down, I think, at one yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, but hopefully it's fine now, right? Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just yeah. mean that, like, that's it was COVID era in that sense that a lot of the projects I did that year, every, it was sort of enough away from it that most people, almost everyone, was fine, and maybe you get one person who was okay, but had to leave because they were testing positive. Yeah. Um, it was that, it was that kind of, that everyone was masked who wasn't on camera. Well, I guess the reason I asked that is, you know, obviously this kind of like fun, bizarre horror vibes, comedy has been out for a long time, but was there something about this time frame that made it an especially good time to, uh, to take sort of a bizarre, weird swing at a, uh, at this kind of story. Uh, Jonah, do you want to start with that? Yeah. You know, it's, um, the, the, the amount of time it takes to make anything. It's like, you know, um, it's like by the time you're like, Oh, no, no one's doing this right now. Let's like try and get this going. But in that time, you know, someone comes out with like psycho Gorman or someone comes out with, you know, something, you know, with like practical effects and, you know, and, you can never the zeitgeist and the kind of cosmic unconsciousness will always kind of build these things uh, and have them like start to come out like it's like a preconceived thought of like oh that's what the scene is but just it's i think it's the general want of like people getting to a certain age who want to make a certain kind of thing and then get to make it and for us it was like we weren't thinking about like is this the like the the right time or is this the right you know uh um style of movie that could sell right now it's like we wanted to not think that we wanted to just go like let's make that movie we want to make and do anything we can to make that movie yeah that's a really good point and you know we had the same attitude when we did bill and ted 3 which had some prosthetics in it and and um but it wasn't like oh let's be retro like let's do something because we were making that movie for a new audience and the, and the studio specifically did not want us to make a retro movie um this is just what we what we like to do yeah. like when we all got together and was like what makes us laugh like you know let's see us playing convicts or let's you know it's it's uh and I think it's similar here. I think the only thing that is maybe not of the times, but speaks to the times is just, um, you know, in the in the early 20s, you know, the early part of 2020, 2021, you had COVID, but you also really had, um, you were really feeling the pain of the kind of the demise of, of the film, uh, you know, cinema and lust movies were going to theaters and streaming hadn't quite gotten itself organized yet. Uh, so for us, I think having something like Shutter uh, exist suddenly was like, oh, now you have more of these kind of curated boutique 
you know, going for a certain audience more like the way the movies used to be. Um, cause this movie wouldn't like you talk about Sacco Gorman the movie wouldn't have got made. I don't think, and if it did, I'm not sure anyone would have ever seen it. So I think, you know, having, having it be sort of in this new era of streaming where you've got kind of more curated platforms like shutter, uh, also was a motivator. Like let's, you know, this'll, this'll fit really well within their wheelhouse. Yeah. I, so I would say that I enjoy prog rock, but. Uh, I would not say that I have a deep abiding passion for it, especially to the level of the character of William, this elder millennial <laughs> that seems super into it. I don't know. I, I'm, you're, I'm sure you're getting this question a lot, but uh, what was your familiarity with with prog rock heading into this? And as, I, I mean, I think, Jonah, I, I've, I've read or heard that you were more of a punk kid growing up. But did this yeah. did this peel back some layer of deep prog passion? You know, like. I, yeah, I, I don't really like many songs over 90 seconds, um, which is, you know, um, even just a maybe swelling intro to any prog rock song is like double that time. <laughs> um, I, you know, I appreciate it. Like, you know, uh, I like, you know, a joke I always had about the band Cream, which I would say is kind of early, like reminiscent of like starting to be like uh, prog, um, at least a little bit. Uh, like I would always say, uh, uh, Cream is a kind of a band that was like, everyone's like, hey, what if we all soloed all the time, you know? It's like, and it, to me, it's always just like, it feels like showing off. It feels like, you know, uh, this like bravado, this, uh, you know, um, this, you know, like ego, just like, let me just shred and let's get all these ideas in. I just want to know, no, give me an idea. Give me a simple idea. Oh, hey, hello. I'll be right there. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, uh, a roofer. A roofer is here. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll pick up from where Jonah yeah, left yeah. off. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I don't really like prog, but I, I mean, but I appreciate it now as I get older, and I just like to go and jam with my friends. I will be right back. Yeah, I mean the fun, you know, I'm the I'm the old guy who does like prog. You know, I uh, I made the Zappa doc. I spent years in that world. I I spent my my youth going to King Crimson shows. Um, I don't like all prog. Uh, but um, it was fun to work on this because, you know, while, while Jonah may not like, like Prague as much as I do, um, or same for like Ryan Katner, who is in the film and also uh, composed the score with Brett Morris, who is obviously most no, mostly known for being the lead of the Man Man, uh, the amazing Man Man band. Um, everybody on set was so musically educated. Uh, so we really were having a lot of fun riffing on... Um, on the absurdity of music and how we could lampoon the music and what and sort of what we could do to to dig into uh, uh, making making light of of a very arcane form of genre of music. Do you uh, the prosthetics, by the way, the makeup effects are are great. And I, you know, I knew you had worked with Bill Corso before, and mm -hmm. I know Gabe Bartalos. Although I, I have to admit that even though I knew Gabe Bartalis, it, it still took me a minute to connect the dots between Vlad and Leprechaun, which I loved when I when I did connect those dots. But well, first off, is there is there more of a <clears throat> Vlad backstory? This this character of a vaguely, I don't know, Eastern European, maybe slightly Irish. I don't know exactly what he is, but uh, <laughs> this guy that's a short, stout guy. Is there more of that Vlad backstory either in your head or on the page somewhere? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a character actor, so I, I'm always building characters, whether they're um, in prosthetics or, or not. Um, I do a lot of work. Uh, that's part of, you know, my training, but it's like physical work and vocal work and, 
you know, backstory and a life for this person. And I said that to Josh Forbes when, when we started was that I wanted Vlad to be a, a living, breathing human being and not just a monster in prosthetics. And, um, and it doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't need to be conveyed to the audience. But I, you know, my accent was specific because of where I was from. And there were things that I had gave build into my, into my um, makeup that reflected where I was from culturally um, like the tattoos, what those tattoos are, why I have them, things like that. Uh, so I did a, a ton of work on that kind of stuff. And honestly, that's, that's the fun of acting for me. You know, the, the fun of acting is, is building a character. Obviously you have to come through and that's where the truth of it and all that comes in. But, uh, and even for something as absurd and ludicrous as this, um, I'm not going to do any less work than I'll do on anything else. And I also think that also helps you emote through the, the makeup, which is really important. Um, I think the more of a character that you've built, uh, and the more kind of that's inside you, your body, then the more you can express that through the makeup and then the makeup takes on a life. Cause you do have to, you have to express a little more than, and then you normally would uh, when you're in prosthetics in order for it to stay alive. If you don't do anything, you kind of die. You become kind of a dead character right away. I mean, is there anything you can, you can share about uh, the, the pre movie Vlad that that would I mean we see this picture of him with a wife and daughter I'm assuming I think or wife and child but anything you can share about him um no I just had him you know he's he's a Romanian refugee war from a you know war-torn country and saw some terrible things happen and did some terrible things and is basically kind of hiding out not like as a refugee but he's you know he's sort of living a, his life in a very quiet way he's probably driving driving an uber and uh is is not dead but kind of dead you know from yeah. from the things that have happened in his past so do you there's this when we have our first sort of real interaction in the apartment between Vlad and William and this sort of fight but it's it's really Vlad William's not really fighting Vlad it's Vlad fighting making William fight Vlad and do you yeah. think on some level, this character of Vlad, is it attempting, is it is it trying to make William step up, sort of man up and take responsibility? And or is it more of a bullying situation? Because I, I kind of could see it both ways. Um, look, we, we did a lot of writing on that sequence and we did a lot of choreographing work on that sequence. Um, it's, you know, a very pivotal scene, but it's also a lot of fun. It was also very challenging to shoot. Um, but at the end of the day, Vlad is, is a, is a trickster. You know, that's why the film ends the way that it does. He's got a, he's got a good heart, I think. And um, I think he genuinely cares about Will and he's kind of lonely. Um, but he is fucking with him. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And he wants, you know, he wants to get a rise out of him, but I think it's, there's a camaraderie between the two guys and uh, you know, before he gets killed and, and uh, that was something that, that was fun. And it's, and it's an ensemble movie and there's, there's, Really, it's important that there's camaraderie between Will and, and all of the ensemble, right? Um, and I think that, and then between all of us. So I think that was sort of part of the fun of the film is that even though Will is is kind of living in his head, and that was something that was kind of important to me was that we don't show where people are picking up on it in the reviews now, which is making me happy, but that we didn't show ever show like 
shots of him around just dead bodies, right? Like to, to say like, no, everyone's actually dead. It's all in his mind. Well, well, duh, like, of course it is, right? But to leave some ambiguity as to like what's going on and to force you into Will's head the whole movie, you never get to get out of it, um, I think is really effective. Jonah, the character of, of William is not quite likable but not entirely unlikable he's definitely neurotic self-absorbed he's you know that's that it seemed like a a tricky balance to play um can you just speak to that a little bit because i mean throughout the movie i was kind of i I mean you know i i didn't know whether i was rooting for him or not yeah (laughs) it's uh that's like something that as we were kind of like you know working on it and writing it like there was a certain point where I realized I was like like uh oh I gotta I gotta play this guy and I'm not like you know I don't subscribe to the fact that you have to root for the lead of a movie or you know it's like he really is it's a you know he is the villain um of the whole thing um but like it's a yeah it it was it was tricky because like we had there was some lines you know that we had like in there where we're kind of like that makes them a little too we had to ride the line of like likability because it's like it's funnier if you want you want to see him fail you know you want to see like because like williams the comic foil of like you know like you know the 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 straight man in a sketch getting like befuddled with like you know these wacky characters and and you have to kind of have somewhat of a uh you can't just hate him right away um and like so it was tricky it was tricky because i knew like it was just going to fall on like if people just didn't like me personally they might not think the guy's <laughs> what it's do you do each of you respectively view this as I don't know you could kind of approach this as like a bizarro coming of age story you could approach it as sort of like a entertainment industry story of um, you know that arrogance of well you're not in it so you wouldn't really understand what it's like to be a creator or an artist or whatever Um, I I can say how I read it because it's really it's really Will's movie and and Jonah does such a great job with this character and it is it has nuance which is what I like about it is it's it's not it's not a retro movie it's really a movie about today and it's not even about it's just like when I read it I was like this is a great like like social commentary on the millennial dilemma right and but what I like about it is that Jonah plays him like, and you have to, I mean, he's right. You had to do this, but it's not easy to do this, Uh, but he's, he's a very, he's a really great of the moment lampoon of, of a millennial type artist guy right now, right? With all the things that you like about that guy and all the things that that are really irritating about that guy. And I remember like, you know, we, we talked about a lot about the importance of him being a likability. And I actually like, you know, when we, when we played the movie at the premiere, like, you are with him the whole time. Like even when, you know, I won't give it away for this, but like with what happens with him at the end, the audience was really with him. They hadn't abandoned him, right? They didn't just assume he was just, and that is hard to do. And I think it's also really important for these types of comedies where you have these kind of complicated, unreliable narrator narrators. And, uh, but it is a social commentary on the moment. I mean, it is like, you know, it is living in the horrible apartment and and not knowing if you have any kind of future, or how you can possibly have any kind of future in the in the society we live in. How will you end up with a house? How will you end up with a job? It's kind of dead end. Um, and I think it's then it's really just having fun with that. Yeah. And it's that's my it, opinion. Jonah it, may have a different one, but that's what I got when I read it. 
Well, Jonah, I mean, he he mentioned it earlier. It's, you know, a reference Barton Fink. It's also, it's of the moment, but it's also kind of timeless of, you know. Oh, the, totally, yeah. I mean, the, there are the, horror the, tropes that go back to the 20s of people yeah. in buildings where things go wrong. I mean, the chained novelist could also sure. be the the self-absorbed TikToker of. of yeah, yeah. Today, love but, crafted yeah. stories like this. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's, you know, like so many of, you know, Stephen King's stories are just like frustrated writer. Um, and. And, you know, inside Lewin Davis is like, you know, that's like, that's something we pulled from too, which is like, you know, especially that scene when he had a conversation with his sister where it's like, <clears throat> you know, he's like, oh, you people, like, if you don't get it. And like, um, that's the thing where it's like, and because, you know, like I've been doing, I started doing like, you know, showbiz stuff, like in the early 2000s, like right before like YouTube came out. And then all of a sudden everything started getting like split up and like fragmented. And like, it's like, everyone was trying so hard to like, battle for the attention for their little fiefdom of their little scene of their little style like it's like you know the thing is with um with you know uh like william like wanting to make a huge prog album it's like uh it's like it's even if he does the best one it's still not it's still not going to be big you know it's that thing of just like and this is like a lot of people like it's like it's like uh, you like you're like it's like this will be huge but it's like you realize even if it is it's in a subgenre of a subset of a small community <laughs> that is going to dig it and yeah. and like it, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's like you know, it's yeah. like if you, you want to play to the audiences, but this idea that anyone, but like because of people my age, and I'm I'm 41, because of people my age, like we came up in a time where like the audience was less fragmented, and so what in our heads when we get to achieve to go and do something, we think that's what it's like. The reaction is going to be that that is what success is, and you know, and then you realize it's like uh, you know, like the the difference in like the top you know, show on network television, the top of like comedy is like, you know, was it 8 million a week? And that like would have got something canceled, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But now it's just like, <laughs> whoa, there's a lot of people, you know. So it's, uh, it's a, it, it is a, a tricky thing where it's, it's like this, like these TikTokers where it's like, it's like, oh, we got this person. And I've worked in a lot of magazine TV and I remember seeing this happen a lot where it's like, I was at E! Entertainment or, uh, you know, G4 TV or something. They're like, oh, we got this person coming in. That's huge. I was like, who is that? And they're like, you don't know, you know, Twinkie yeah. Ninja. They're like, they got millions and millions of people. You know, it's like, dude, wait till you're in your fifties. Like the yeah. the bigger the bigger someone is, the less likelihood I'm gonna know who the hell they are. I just call everybody Doja Cat, just in case. <laughs> well, that that's like a whole separate conversation of you know how how relative the notion of fame and success has become. That you know yeah. somebody could be walking down the street that's a K-pop megastar with billions of followers and you know most people uh, in Williamsburg outside my door are not necessarily going to recognize that that person even though they are you know a global superstar yeah, uh, yeah you know it's uh, it, it's it's a thing that I've noticed uh like a slag that people will give you online um where it's like uh, and I see it for like some of my older friends in, in show business but like if they, someone doesn't like their opinion they go like or like someone doesn't like what someone does they go oh what when was the last time they were even relevant like relevancy is something that like is used as like an attack thing where it's like, um, or say like there's certain times where I say like, oh, I really like this band. They're like, it's like, well, since they're still a thing, they're like, oh no, they found out that you specifically stopped getting their albums and then they decided to call it quits. <laughs> <laughs> there's this moment, this monologue uh, that Will has, and he's discussing his passion for Prague and he's surrounded by blood and viscera we've got so much going on and they're on the floor 
And I I absolutely love this moment. It's it's both passionate, it's hilarious, it's kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so much going yeah. on with it. Is yeah. uh, for you guys when you reflect on what made this film fun for you, what are some of the things that that come to mind? You know, like that scene in particular, like we all really loved it. I remember when um, Jared Logan, uh, one of our screenwriters, like like had that scene. We uh, we all like were. It's like it's so sweet. It's almost too sweet and poignant. And like, and it's just like the juxtaposition of it. Like, um, that was like in the in the writing process as we were developing the script. That was one of our favorites. And we're like, it was, you know, and I was just like, I was like, oh my god, I have a Paul Giamatti and sideways, um, you know, monologue in this thing. Like, that's, <laughs> this is great. Um, uh, but like, you know. The fun stuff was like always with Alex um, for me, you know, just because he was in the prosthetics and it really, it's so fun to do the make-believe kind of uh, shit like with him. Um, but like another fun part was like having, you know, scenes with my old friends like Tom Lennon, Ryan Katner, guys I've known for you know 20 years. And then getting to do a scene with Kumail Nanjiani who I had a show with for years um, on Comedy Central called The Meltdown. Um, like, it's like, you know, just being able to be in a movie with him, like, you know, like was, I don't know. Every day had something kind of fun. If it was a practical effect or this or that, but I don't know. Yeah, what Alex yeah it was a very artistic environment. I mean, the the the, the whole collective uh, team uh, and crew were super artsy and uh, and very into the themes of of the movie and and the type of movie that we were all making. So it added to. It wasn't a, 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 an easy film to make. None, none are, but. Um, so it was challenging and we were usually focused on whatever the, the fire was we had to put out that day. But, uh, but once the cameras were rolling, it was, it was super fun. Yeah. And I, it's, it's also one of those things that look, we need to cut trailers and put those out there, but I was kind of bummed when I saw the trailer and then the, the Kamal scene, you know, they, they kind of referenced that in the trailer. Whereas when it happens in the film, I'm like, that would have just been such a nice, perfect surprise there. But such is the, the nature of selling, uh, yeah, it's funny. projects I, I'm not, on the, like the, on the call, I think we're like, yeah. uh, we were like, I was like, so we're not going to put Kamal in the trailer. Right. And they're like, they're like, man, we have to <laughs> gotta sell the thing. I was like, I was like, I know, but wouldn't it be so neat? You know, <laughs> like, but it does, it does feel, uh, between Tom Lennon, uh, Kamel, like everybody feels like such a community project. And I, I was curious, was, was there anything that didn't quite make it into the final cut that, look, you sometimes have to kill your darlings, but maybe more of the hot licks video sessions or, or lessons or anything that just didn't quite make it to the I mean, end. we worked on the script for a really long time. So there was all kinds of stuff that just went away. Um, Process, yeah. And, yeah, but uh, nothing, I don't think, by the time that we got to shooting, we, I mean, we really, it was like we were squeezing every piece of juice we could. <laughs> yeah, like we were like, it's like, we had to be so precise where our schedule was so tight um, and always like worrying about like the practical effects taking up because you, it could be something where you kind of go, Oh, we'll give this a little extra time, but something could go wrong. And then it could just, your day will like get eaten up by like trying to reset these goopy things or this blood like cleaning off. It really can slow everything down. And so we had to be very precise with the stuff in the, you know, the script process. We had like, like a lot of fun scenes there used to be this like you know a, a cat also died at one point where there was an anima animatronic cat in the script for a little bit there was uh, yeah. <laughs> uh like mr meowman i think was uh the name of the cat um there was uh you know there was going to be more shots of the pigs but we could only get one pig 
uh, you know, so there was like, there was kind of like stuff like that, that like, you know, we, uh, of course, like just had to streamline it the more we got in there. But like, as far as John Daly, uh, who's, you know, uh, uh, played the young swig in the, in the videos, it's like, of course, he was just on a green screen in that outfit. And so there's probably three hours of him just going off because John Daly is yeah. one of my favorite He's a great improv actor. Yeah, yeah I've, known him, I've known him for so long. So like, it was one of those things where it's like, he that had to kind of be a B unit thing too, where it's like he just yeah. like had to be off on his own with our second unit guy, and that we were none of us were concerned because we're just like John will give us what he's going to give us because he's just such so beautiful at being so wild and weird. That's what we need to see. Shutter needs to release uh, those those special uh, uh, extra footage and whatnot. And um, well, so we're we're winding down, but okay. So this is such a uh, top level boilerplate question, I guess. But I'm going to ask it at the end of the day. Do you? Each of you personally think that all of the the murder, the mayhem that is taking place and what William experiences as far as what happens after, is it in his head or is it happening in the real world? I know you're going to get this question a lot, but Alex, why don't you start? I, I refuse to give away what I think because I think that's part of what makes the movie work is that you don't know. I think that uh, uh, I, I think that that the the implication is obviously that he's you know, hallucinating everything because they're dead, right? Um, but I just think that the fun of the film is really about, uh, you know, the, the 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 tenuousness of of that in terms of sanity and and what you're getting your influences from. And he's got that line. Will's got that line at the at the end. Um, you know, talking about how he got help from friends, right? And uh, so there's an aspect of that that's true. And there's an aspect of that that's impossible. So uh, that's the ambiguity of it. And I like that ambiguity. I think it makes the movie more fun. You really can't interpret it either way, I guess. But But it will be very clear once we make the prequel to Destroy All Neighbors, we find out that it was midichlorians that actually helped Will and uh, did revive. Yeah, but unfortunately, the the prequel is we're not making that for, we got to make the four sequels first. Yeah, we we have to make, so so it's like Destroy All Neighborhoods and Destroy All Counties. Uh, I think that's what we're going after that. Uh, or, then the origin story. Yeah, right. then we go back, and then yeah. I flip, you know. Hey, I, I would show up. I would show up for more of the the uh, Will and Vlad hijinks. Um, I'd be there for that. I, I guess, like, for, since I think both of you, some people might know you more at this point for your work behind the camera as well as, you know, the stuff that you're doing and have done in front of the camera. When you're doing something like this, is it making you want to do more of one versus the other? Or is it just like, you know, you're getting the best of both worlds? I mean, did no, this... It does. I mean, I love doing this. The thing about it, it's very rare to get a project like this. So you don't, there's just not, they don't exist that frequently. So, um... I am going to do more acting. I just have to make more time for it. And that's what I've been doing. So I'm, I am carving more space for it. I mean, this was not unintentional. Um, I did this and a couple other things last year because I wanted to make more time for the acting. Um, so it's, I just have, I have to be methodical about it um, because my production schedule on the other stuff is what it is. But, uh, but I am going to do more acting um, over the next year or two. I have mm-hmm. some stuff schedule and plan that I'm going to do. But in terms of stuff like this, I mean, I said this back when I was doing Freaked when I left my agency <laughs> and stopped no. acting for 20 years. They were like, what? What are you doing? I'm like, I was like, I, I all I want to do is stuff like this. And it literally, it didn't exist in the 90s. Like, that's the thing about this 
everyone's saying this is retro. It's not. There was, it was, there was nobody making movies like this. And if you did, you were a pariah, right? Like no one liked Peter Jackson until he made Lord of the Rings in the industry. They thought he was a weirdo. Um, Sam Raimi was the Spider-Man guy. Like they didn't like those weird zombie movies that he made. Uh, so it's not like anyone's going to offer me roles where I get to do, to do this on a regular basis. It's yeah. not going to happen. And also, Bill Corso uh, also did the makeup for Freaked, right? The he, he yeah, he was yeah. primary. He yeah. did all yeah. of Ricky's stuff, and he did he did came he ran makeup for all of Bill and Ted Three yeah. with Kevin Yeager doing the designs. So I mean, there's a lot of prosthetics work out there, but I don't just like doing anything in prosthetics. I like doing extreme physical comedy stuff in prosthetics. That's what's uncommon. Yeah. yeah. Our favorite thing about Bill Corso being on the uh, the show was uh, that he basically left his previous job ended and like the next week he was on our show and that previous job was indiana jones yeah <laughs> it was like hey thanks for making some time award-winning yeah. artist yeah, yeah that one did a star wars movie yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah for star wars. <laughs> That's right. i uh I again, I hate to ask this kind of question, but it's also uh, the people that pay my bills are going to want me to ask this. But uh, looking ahead, anything that you can tease or updates about uh, uh, more from MST3K and from the Bill and Ted universe? Each of those, I think you know who who uh, should pick that up. So, <laughs> Alex, yeah. how, how about you go first? Well, we're, we, I mean, it's no secret we're tinkering with a fourth Bill and Ted idea, whether we get it made, whether we like it, whether it works out, who knows, but we are playing, we have a really good idea, the writers have a great idea, and we're tinkering with it, but I don't know, I mean, I'm working on other stuff coming up, I don't know when that'll happen, um, it took us 12 years to get the last one made, so who knows. <laughs> Um, and yeah, with Mystery Science Theater, you know, um, uh, Joel and uh, his team are uh, trying to figure out, uh, like, you know, how to fund and figure out, like, uh, where a, a season 14 would go. Um, you know, I'm on, I, I, you know, I talk with them sometimes, they're trying to figure it out. Um, but, you know, it's a show that kind of can just kind of come in, up, you know, come up for a little bit, go away, come up. It's like, you know, those movies are always there. It's uh and I, you know, always, it's like, are there still movies to be done on Mystery Science Theater? And they'll say, yes, you'd be surprised. And it's, you know, that how many movies were made all the time. <laughs> Including <laughs> Steamboat Willie now as part of public domain, right? So I'm surprised the Rift Tracks guys haven't done Steamboat Willie, like, like the day. The, the day. day that, like, into the public domain. <laughs> and so Destroy All Neighbors, obviously you could catch it uh, streaming on Shudder. But you guys, when I was watching it, I was... You know, I was watching it alone. I'm like, I need to watch this with friends once it drops officially. But you guys are also going to be doing screenings uh, in, well, Alamo in New York City. You're you're kind of hitting all the LA, Alamos. Yeah, there, there are going to be all, there are quite a few theaters. We're doing Sketchfest in San Francisco. Um, and then it'll start playing in other repertory theaters. There's a bunch of people asking us for it. It'll probably do the Prince Charles in London. It'll start, it'll start hitting a circuit. It's, yeah. It's I just kind of react to that a little bit about the excitement of seeing this particular project in front of crowds uh, at those in those theaters with that. I mean, because what Will says or whatever his dad said that uh, not everyone will get it, um, but the right, the, the right ones will. So I don't know. Just kind of give me give me something about seeing this in front of uh, on the big screen with the with the right crowd. Jonah? Well, the two the two types of movies you want to see with the crowd are horrors and comedies and this has a little bit of both like you know uh, a, a good horror movie with the crowd you'll you know you'll 
there will be clapping after a great, you know, gore gag of some sort or, you know, scary moment. With comedy, it's like, you know, you're truly, it's like, you know, experiencing a, a you know, a, a like a, a spontaneous burst of joy when everyone laughs together. You know, I was so uh, glad that, you know, the funniest movie of last year was Bottoms. And I'm so, I saw it twice in a theater because people were in the theaters watching Bottoms and laughing. And then like, you know, you realize how special that is and mm-hmm. how things like, you know, Here's a good example of like, it's like, I saw, you know, I, I saw Freaked, Alex's old movie, like, you know, a ton of times on TV. And I always thought it was so funny. Um, and then I went and just recently watched it again at the New Beverly Cinema in LA with a full crowd watching it. And um, you realize like how much more you laugh when you're around other people. And it's mm-hmm. it's because it's infectious. So I think if you have a chance to see this in a theater, that's basically what it was made for. It has to be loud. It has to be, you know, have, you have to have fun. Yeah, man, I'm yeah, going to try to hit the Brooklyn one. Yeah, yeah the thing out. I'm so excited about with this is just that sort of what we've done with Freaked and and I've done with a couple of other films. It's like once you make a movie, you've made the movie. You know, you can uh, you can show that movie forever in theaters all over the place. And uh, so I, you know, I'm I'm game for this film to have a life, just like out in the world of the circuit for as long as people care to throw it up on a screen somewhere. So I think. Um, we're really grateful and happy it'll be on Shutter because people are going to see it on Shutter. It will it will live and and be seen and penetrate people's brains. But it will have a life beyond that, which is which is fun. It's uh, it, when I was just as kind of an aside, the the makeup of Vlad really made me think. I'm I'm a fan of the um, the Goon comic by Eric Powell, and as oh, I was oh, looking yeah, at Vlad, great. I'm like. This is a this is a reason why the goon could exist in live action. Yeah, um, that's we an actually aside. talked about the goon when we were working on Vlad too. Oh, but did you? Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that was one of those on the vision board. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's such a perfect face. But yeah, does anybody have parts of uh, Vlad at home that that you yeah, kept? Of course, Gabe's got all of it. Gabe's got Vlad. Yeah, he has the, the director Vlad. Josh has some intestines hanging up at his house. Uh, you know, yeah. we had the premiere at the Arrow uh, that Beyond Fest put on uh, on Tuesday, and we had like the bust of like that that special shot we have of Vlad with his hands out like that when I throw him. Um, and we have like you know, like it's like yeah, they're all around. Every, you know, it's funny. It's like um, I like usually don't like having stuff from like anything I've worked on like in my house. I like I I always go it's like it's like it's a little self serving, um, but like. With this show, I'm like, I'm like, with this movie, I'm like, I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind having something, just some little weird hand, just like, you know, on a, like mounted on a wall or something like that. Well, those intestines were very helpful uh, as, you know, you could reach things, you can make music with it. So those might be things uh, yeah, to get my cats out of the way. have around. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, gentlemen, I think that is our time, but I really appreciate it. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, you prep for interviews and you're like, yeah, you know, you open, uh, approach everything with an open mind and excited as just a fan and a nerd, but you never quite know what you're going to get. But man, when I watched this, it, it really brought me back to yes, being a kid, but also like that sweet spot that you kind of need now in movies. That's just fun. And it is what it is. And I just enjoyed the hell out of it. So I'm so glad. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Alex, Jonah, thank you guys so much. And I, I hope we get a chance to talk again in the future and maybe I'll see you at the, uh, Alamo out here in NYC for one of these screenings. Great. All right. All right. Thanks guys. (laughs) Thank you. 
And that was Alex Winter and Jonah Ray Rodriguez. You can catch them in the new movie, Destroy All Neighbors, available on the Shutter streaming service January 12th. Also, if you happen to be in a city uh, that they're showing Destroy All Neighbors at, I would highly recommend checking this out with a, an audience. I know they're going to be doing some stuff at the SF Sketch Fest and showing this around at various Alamo Drafthouse theaters. So catch it in person if you can. Anyhow, thanks to both Alex and Jonah for joining me for Talking Strange. I'm your host, Aaron Sagers, and until next time, be kind. Stay spooky and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content. Mm-hmm.